Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 226 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. What's up? Well, a lot is up. We have a lot (laughs) to get to today. We're talking about one of our favorite things, and that is time management and productivity, a topic really you can never revisit too many times. No, we've always got time to talk about time. (laughs) I mean, this is like the elusive thing thing that I think moms are. No one feels like they have enough of, right? Yeah. And, and everybody feels like if I could just, you know, land on the right time management, you know, magic pill. And I don't think there is one. So that's why we can talk about it every, you know, couple times a year on the podcast. So, um, specifically today, we're going to kind of look at ways to, Find more pockets of time in the schedule you already have, and that applies to everybody from stay-at-home moms to working full-time because we all have pockets of time in our all in our existing schedules that could probably be used differently or maybe looked at from a different lens. And then mm-hmm. we're also, I'm excited to hear from you on this. In the second half, we're going to talk about really, I mean, you made the point, we can't make more time. There's only so many hours in the day. But when there's a priority for you and you need more than that 15 minute pocket, how do we actually create blocks of time for the things that are really important? Yes. You're going to tell me how to do that, right? I, well, <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I'm working on. Yeah. So how about that? Is that okay. good enough? That sounds okay. good. <laughs> Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, 
Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Okay, Sarah. So for this first section, we're talking about time found, finding time, time you have right now, but maybe isn't being harnessed to its fullest. Um, maybe you don't even recognize it as usable time. I think we have all these like little bits of time that we end up filling with, I guess, just kind of filler activity, like scrolling Instagram, <laughs> uh, which is great if you're doing it with intention, but sometimes can suck up a lot more time than, than we think. So I know you've got a, a tip about this. Yeah. Well, and I, I first want to say that it's a big adjustment if you have been used to having longer blocks of time. And, and maybe that means before you had kids, or maybe you were working in an office full-time and you had more control over your schedule. But anytime you change up how your time works, it can be, it can feel like the rug got pulled out from under you. So yep. I just want to kind of acknowledge that. And it, I think some people are more sensitive to routine change than others. I notice that with my kids. So if you, if it's really kind of like upsetting to you to have your schedule change drastically, just know, I don't think you're alone. I think that's a really normal thing. Um, but one thing that it took me a long time to get used to was seeing increments of time increasingly smaller that I had to get anything done. Um, so one, one tip I think that is helpful is if you have recurring windows of time that are 10 minutes or greater. And by what I mean by recurring is of course, we sometimes find ourselves standing in line somewhere for 10 minutes, but you didn't necessarily know that was going to happen. The ones that I think about are the ones that happen sort of predictably. So you're always in the school car line every day for 15 minutes parked safely. Maybe that's a time that's now a block of time that could be used for something. You're nursing a baby. You know that you're going to be sitting 
in a rocker for, you know, 15, 20, 45 minutes, several times a day. So I think training yourself to think of those smaller increments of time as potential. And I want to make it clear. I don't mean potential for like knocking items off your to-do list in a crazy type A, you know, productivity person way. It could be that those 10 minute windows are for mindfulness and meditation. It could be Mm. that they're for reading for pleasure. So just starting to train yourself to think of those smaller windows of time as a, a thing that could be used for something, which I think is a big shift for a lot of us. Yeah. And, you know, we talk a lot on the show about things that we used to do before we became moms and then we just kind of stopped doing. And so much of that is habit. Reading for pleasure is a great example. Like if I don't set my life up in such a way that I have a book within arm's reach, a light source with which to read if it's nighttime. (laughs) Right. And then like a time that I'm not passing out um, or otherwise distracted, it won't happen. But the minute I start, like when I set myself up for those things, even if they're only happening 10 minutes at a time, they count. And then the nice thing about that is then you've done it for 10 minutes. Now you're thinking the next time you have 10 minutes, like, oh, maybe I could fit reading in here too, or whatever it is for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's shutting your eyes mm-hmm. and just not doing anything for 10 minutes. But like there are, there probably are more windows than you think um, that happen all the time. But I also want to throw a shout out for spontaneous windows of time mm-hmm. because those tend to happen maybe even more for moms. I'm thinking of Baby usually wakes up from their nap at two, but today, for whatever random reason, they sleep until two ten. <laughs> I know that when I was in that situation where I had napping kids, I would kind of start expecting them to get up, and then if they didn't, I would feel at loose ends, like mm-hmm. be kind of standing around going, "Oh well, what do what do I do? Do I vacuum? No, that's a bad idea." Like I wouldn't have any ideas at the top of my head. So back when I was in that stage, and my time is much more predictable now. And I have longer periods and that's a, that actually can create some challenges. We'll talk about a little bit later, but I used to have lists of things I could do in five, 10 or 15 minutes posted to my computer posted like next to my bed, which is where I worked for a long time. Like just wherever I knew I would be, if that popped, if that pop opportunity popped up, I could look at it and without having to spend any time thinking without having to spin my wheels, I'd go, Oh, five minutes. I can send an email or 10 minutes, I can go tidy up the kitchen. Like whatever it was, I didn't have to spend the additional energy deciding what to do, which can take all the time you have. Yeah. I like the idea of a concrete list too, because I know we all have our go-tos that we return to. For example, I will just wander over to the sink and do dishes. I don't need to be reminded for that one. I like to do dishes. I'll fill a, a five or 10 minute window with tidying up in that way, but it would never occur to me to say, wipe down a shelf of the fridge in that same five minutes. Do you know what I mean? So we have our, we have our filler activities that probably get in a rut. Whereas if you made your list, there'd be things that I really would need to say like, Oh yeah, I could go through this stack of junk mail and you know, right. Cause you wouldn't think of that on your own. And then, so the junk mail pile gets higher and higher and your sink is still always just about the same. (laughs) And I'm going to get to the dishes. There's only so much you can improve on it. And I'm going to get to it anyway. So I like that a lot. Um, Well, my next tip is to pair activities that go well together and do it with intention. I think intentionality is going to be kind of a theme of this episode. Um, So I'm thinking of things, a lot of times when we're strapped for time, we miss out on things like catching up with friends on the phone or reading, listening to audiobooks. So I'm a big fan of pairing two things together that naturally go well together. Um, and I know you're going to talk a little more about multitasking, but I'm more thinking of I can call a good friend and have a good friend catch up while walking the dog, for example. That's kind of an obvious one. But I might also be able to listen to an audiobook while I fold laundry. And if you've never, if your time 
was previously yours in a much more mm. expansive way, you may never have had to think of this idea of pairing, but it can actually be really fun, I think, and you can get really creative with it. They don't have to be, all it has to be is two things that sort of match up well together. And then you, you end up at the end of that 30 minutes or whatever, you're kind of doubly satisfied. I have a habit of pacing and when I'm on the phone. And so one day I was like, I mean, I don't remember when I decided to start doing this like 10 years ago, maybe like, what if I just cleaned when I was on the phone and I got off the phone and looked around my house and it was spotless. And I, I could, I didn't remember doing it. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. So yes, it, it does help the time go by, but it also, I don't know, like then you've done this thing, like talk to your friend or whatever else it is that you really, you know, that you're wanting to do with your brain. Um, and we're calling it pairing, but it is multitasking, right? Mm -hmm. And multitasking gets a bad rap, um, which is not fair. I mean, yes, I get the whole idea. Like when you're washing the dishes, just be washing the dishes and <laughs> like really concentrate on how it feels to be washing the dishes. That sounds amazing. If we can all have the available time in our day to treat something like washing the dishes as a meditation every single time we do it. I just don't think that's the reality of most moms with small kids. So, I mean, maybe moms at all, but especially if you've got little ones. Um, I think the the thing that I've noticed is like where multitasking becomes problematic is when you're trying to pair two activities that like require the same executive function mm. or have competing goals. So if you're trying to read an article and trying to listen to your kids tell you about their day out of one ear, that's not going to work. You're you're trying to information gather from the article and you're trying to information gather from your kid. And you like you can't do both of those things at the same time. Mm -hmm. Or if the goals compete, so like, let's say you could walk just for fitness or because your dog needs a walk, but you could walk because you want a chance for some quiet, you want to get in nature, you want to meditate. So if you listen to a podcast, if you're walking for fitness, fantastic. If you listen to a podcast, but you're walking to get out in nature and meditate, that's totally like those things are clashing, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're having someone talking in your ears the whole time. You're missing what's going mm -hmm. on around you. So I don't think it has to be one or the other or all or nothing. Like sometimes I'll go walk quietly for 15 minutes and then turn on my podcast mm -hmm. or vice versa. So, you know, um, another thing about that is I think it's so normal to find yourself getting off track and relying too much on, I guess, unintentional multitasking mm -hmm. or unhealthy multitasking. Um, this just happened to me. I was in this really hectic time of my life and I realized my kids kept saying, you just asked me that, or I already told you that. And I thought about it and I realized it was because when I get frazzled, I tend to try to do way too many things at the same time mm. and then I don't do any of them very well. And I didn't, I wasn't hearing my kids. I yeah. sometimes wasn't even remembering we had a conversation. So like for a while I had to literally turn a computer away from me mm -hmm. or turn my phone over or put the book down and close it. Like I had to give myself a signal that I was not looking at that even anymore, even if it was just for a 10 second interaction. Yeah. No, I, yeah. my, my kids call me out on, um, trailing off in my senses and they, it's funny cause I've probably always done this, but I just assume they know what I'm going to say or they know what, yeah. and I think it's because my mind is already thinking about the next thing. Right. And they're like, mom, you just completely stopped in the middle of a sentence. So do you ever go, do, do they ever ask you something and you go, um, um, cause you're buying yourself time. Cause you really have, <laughs> you're not really paying attention. I do that. And they've gotten very funny about, they'll go, you're doing that thing again. You're just saying, um, and I'll say, but now what I've kind of also realized is I have to be, especially the older they get, like I have kids who come home at three and then I have kids, another daughter, my, another daughter, I have so many daughters. <laughs> so the two middles, the high school and middle school boy come home right around three. And then Clara comes home right after four. 
And so my workday is not wrapped up at three o'clock and usually not even quite at four o'clock. Like I try to wrap up right around four for the most part. And then I'll go back to stuff a little bit later when they're busy doing their thing. Mm -hmm. And so I try to be wrapped up right around four so I can give them focused time. But sometimes I have to be like, hey guys, I need a minute. And I, I've tried to get better about proactively like holding up a hand and saying, I'm still working, shut my bedroom door. I will be out in 10 minutes and then I will give you my full attention instead of trying to do the whole, uh, I'll be right. What? And where nothing is really getting done. And I'm doing that. Like I'm not really working and I'm not really parenting. I'm just kind of in this weird foggy middle ground. Can I say something that's probably unpopular opinion? Sure. And that is that when my kids were say two and four or three and five, I think it was totally possible for me to be half listening and half paying attention a good amount of the time. I'm not saying that that was best practice for all of the time, but the way they talked and the little stories they told and the way they interacted with me was they were physically down near the floor. They, they needed yeah. some validation and snacks and presence. And of course, at certain times in the day, I wanted to connect really, you know, really yeah. in a meaningful way with them. But it was a lot easier when they were that little to be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, Didn't mm-hmm. we just talk about this? Like, not too long ago, I think we said, like, one of the harder things as they get older is that the way you yeah. pay attention to them has to change, yeah. and you can't fake it anymore. I totally agree. I did the same thing when they were little. Um, first of all, they need you all day long right. when they're little. <laughs> yeah. There's no way to not tune them out sometimes, right? right? Yep. But when they're 15 years old and it's your... You know, it's, it's the one half hour of focus time you might get that day before homework and chores and running yeah. around and all that stuff starts. And they have legitimate questions that require yeah. real answers. Like this has been a transition that I am still working on yep. because when they were little, it was easy to be like, eh, <laughs> and, and also they would just blah, 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 right. blah, 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 all day. Exactly. I've actually had to have conversations with Clara before, you know, she's 10 where I had to say to her one day, like Clara, I I love when you talk to me, but sometimes I feel like you're, you're just talking to hear yourself talk. Is that a real, like, do you have a real question for me? And she was like, no, I just like to hear myself talk. And I said, okay, that's cool. Can you, (laughs) is it okay if I don't answer? (laughs) Because I'm trying to take care of a couple of things and you're asking me just ridiculous. She asked me, I can always tell because she'll ask me a question that's just really dumb. Uh And I know it's just because she literally is in her head working through something Mm -hmm. or like, I was the same way. I was a very talkative kid. And I would just say things just to say them. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even like I expected an answer. So she and I kind of have like almost like an arrangement now mm-hmm. where if she really needs me to answer something because it's a real, and I'm not saying I just tune her out the rest of the time. I'm just saying there are times when I'm not fully paying attention because it's just a steady It's, it's just part stream. of her, how she it's processes. Babble. Yeah. She's just thinking out loud. Yeah. And a lot of that then ends up being like, I would for a while take it very seriously. Like I had to respond to every single thing she said in some way. And I I think I'm just realizing now, like I probably don't. And she's, because I pointed that out now, she's getting better at kind of self, you know, self-regulating, which is important. Like she's going to be in middle school next year. So that's that's great. I did remember when we talked about that, it was when we talked about sharenting or over sharing on social and it was in the con, it wasn't in the context necessarily of listening to our kids. Although we talked about that, it was in the context of, we don't pause to take a photo or share something on social because the time with them is so much more focused. So you're right. We did. And I I remembered where, um, well, I have another kind of concrete tip and it's another one that 
perhaps flies in the face of everything we're told. But if we're talking about finding productivity in small windows of time, I'm going to suggest that we harness the power of mobile, the phones in our hand. But I'm not talking about mindless scrolling. I'm talking about when we look at those, like when you make your list of those things you can do in 5, 10, or 15 minutes. We were talking about, you know, cleaning out the fridge or doing the dishes or vacuuming. But I think if you learn how to use the technology that's in your hand. There are things like you could renew a library book, um, like order a prescription, uh, do your Amazon shopping cart. There are things you can do if you've got the right apps and you know how to use them and all your credit cards are linked up and like take that time to make sure your mobile life is really well organized. Then I am all about knocking out five or six small things in a little window of time, because what happens, it's not just because like I feel productive or whatever. What happens is those things come off my list for a longer, more focused period of time later. So, um, whatever it takes. And and those of you who are under like 37 years old, you don't need me to tell you this. Like you've been mobile your whole life, (laughs) but there could be moms out there who are closer to our age, Megan, who like, like we do, we kind of prefer to sit at a desktop. And so I'm not saying you switch your whole life over to mobile, but if there are things like you talked recently about your budgeting software, how that exists on your, you could quickly, if you make that list, like you were just talking about and include some things you can do on your phone in a pocket of time where you're you know, safely parked in the car or waiting on something. And then instead of the mindless scrolling, you're just knocking off a few of those things. It's so satisfying. It is. And I will say for myself, my big challenge with that is that I tend to resist the learning curve of a new piece of technology, um, which include, can include apps. Mm-hmm. I don't even like downloading apps from the app store. Like I had to train myself to get to the point where that wasn't a big hurdle for me. <laughs> because half the time, like the payment information wasn't correct yeah. or whatever it was that was like, always seemed to make it harder than it had to be. And I've really kind of, I wouldn't say I'm a super app focused person or an early adopter, but I've gotten to the point now where I can see the value of something that it would add to my life. And I can say, okay, that might mean I need to set aside 15 minutes the first time to figure out how to use it. Yeah. And then now it needs to become part. There's also no point having it on my phone if I can never find it. Yeah. Or if I have so many other apps that I don't see it. Um, so it also has to become part of my life. But yes, there's so there there you can really do so much on your phone. Mm-hmm. And I th- I also think the more I get used to using my phone for truly helpful and productive things, mm-hmm. the less tempted I am to just like do really unproductive things on it just because it's in my hand. So I'm, like, do you ever feel like yes. I have this thing in my hand and here I am sitting and I can't get up for whatever reason. I got a baby in my lap or I'm in bed or whatever it is. And you're not really supposed to be on your phone in bed, but if you've got the phone and there's nothing productive to do, you'll find something. Yeah. So it's, it's good to have things that actually, I don't know. Yeah. The needle and bit. I think, I think it, it pairs perfectly with your suggestion of having that go-to list. And maybe it's, maybe it's like you make a little rule for yourself that before you open Instagram, you're gonna, whatever, check your bank balance, yeah. order that birthday gift and do this. I, I would often in the old days when I had a short window, trick myself and just make the short list of two or three things, like do these three things first and then do whatever you want, then chill out and scroll Facebook, but do these three things first. So I think you could do that with mobile as well. Um, another one that came to mind as far as finding time is uh, it talks so much about energy patterns. I just think it's really important to understand like the times of day you feel tired, the times of day you feel really mentally sharp, because I think moms in particular fall into this trap of trying to like 
like kids are asleep. So now I have to have me time or whatever it is, because this is the only time of day I'm going to get alone. And I, I mean, I 150% understand that. But if you're really tired, you're not necessarily even going to enjoy that time. And if you're trying to use it to burn the midnight oil and get work done, you're probably going to take longer to do things. You're not going to do it as well. Sometimes it's better just to go to bed Mm -hmm. or sometimes it's better just to get up, you know, Mm -hmm. or sometimes it's better to sleep in, like whatever the thing is. And, and I think you do need to give your body a chance to adjust to changes because I, we talked about this in a recent episode where we can sometimes almost like talk ourselves into thinking. Yeah. Like lean into our natural tendencies to a, to a default or to a right to a default. Um, but I feel like if I'm going to sit down and veg in front of the TV, I at least want to be awake Mm -hmm. to some degree. I want to be able to really enjoy that. Or, or maybe the point is that I need it to unwind and I want to be falling asleep by the end. Like whatever it is, I just don't want to go into something and then feel disappointed because I didn't get out of it. What I set to get out, like set out to get out of it, which is maybe bonding time with my spouse or, um, time to really absorb something or really get into like, really get into a series or something. And then realize like that's time I really could have just spent in bed or in the morning. I'm not going to get up hours earlier than I need to, unless I really, unless I'm really going to use that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's so, so true. It reminds me of our conversation about FOMO because sleep and FOMO are, I think for a lot of moms directly related this idea that I should go to bed, but there's, there's a, a kid free couple of yes. hours that I am potentially missing out on. And when we talked right. about FOMO, we talked about like perceived FOMO, which is like, in theory, there's all of these things I could right. be doing with this time versus right. like, actual, like, what am I actually missing out on? And I think what I'm hearing you say is like, it might just be sleep in this case. Right. Like it, <laughs> yes. it might just be the simplest solution is the right solution. Yeah. Well, I, and the next day you might wake up feeling so much better mm-hmm. and then enjoy your morning more. I mean, there's just lots of ways to like, it, it's no point of slogging through your day exhausted just so you can get to the end and be exhausted without kids. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Um, I think in terms of finding pockets of time, knowing your energy patterns and knowing what's coming is also really, you can almost be strategic about it. I mean, I definitely used to save certain things for the afternoon because they didn't require as much brain power and I could do them more automatically and, you know, I could get the kids out of the house. And so once you know those energy patterns, then everything else we've just talked about, about finding, finding pockets of time, pairing activities together, multitasking, all those things can then sort of fit in with those energy patterns. Yeah. I like agreed. It. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. 
Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so for the second half here today, we really want to focus on making time for the things that um, are either missing from your life or that you want to prioritize more. And we are no longer talking about 10 and 15 minute increments. We're really talking about bigger shifts here. And this is, this is hard because if you ask all of our listeners out there, I bet most of them say there is no more time. Like I am using it all. And so sometimes it takes like getting really honest with yourself or getting rid of something. And we're going to talk about that. So yeah. what's your first kind of tip if, if for creating time for the things that matter? Well, I mean, it all comes down to habits, right? So there's almost certainly things that every person is doing, and this includes me, and I'm sure it includes you, um, that are not adding to your life in any positive way. <laughs> and that's fine. Like if you have, if you feel like you're in a season of life right now where time is abundant enough, then fantastic. But when you start to feel pulled in all directions and frazzled and like you don't have enough time and you look at what you're actually doing, I can almost guarantee you there's something, there are some things you are doing that have become habitual that would take effort to replace with other things, but it's probably worth it. So like we talked about in the first half, um, going to bed earlier, or just even being more intentional about the way you interact with social media or watch which TV shows you're going to watch. Like why am I watching TV right now? Am I watching it because I need, this is a thing I want to do with another human, which Mm -hmm. is one motive, Mm -hmm. right? Or it's a thing that I just need to do because I really want to zone out, which is totally fine too. But as long as we know that's why we're doing it, then we need to create a habit around that. And that is something that is, takes time. And I think we'll get, it, it's not something where you could say today, I'm going to have a habit. I'm going to take the habit of being on social media and I'm going to start a healthy new habit. That's going to, you know, be exercise or whatever it is. Like, it doesn't happen like that, but just being mindful of how you're spending your time so that you can look really honestly, like you said, at yeah. it and go, what is the thing that needs to go? And the thing that I can, um, replace it with another, another thing I was just thinking of, and this can also kind of go back to that 10, 15, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 minute snippet thing. A lot of times we habitually fall into this pattern of doing things with those small snippets of time that don't really help us. Mm -hmm. But what if you did something like 
when next time you had 10 minutes, you organize that utensil drawer because every time you open it, that mm. spoon gets stuck. Yes. And then you have to wrestle with it. Or you've got that closet you open and something falls out or like hits you in the head every time. Like imagine what friction mm. you would reduce in a real way in your life. And then how much better you and how much less annoyed you would feel. Mm -hmm. and we're all guilty of skipping that stuff. Yeah. I have a, a lingerie drawer in my um, bedroom right now that I apparently didn't put together correctly because the whole thing is falling apart. I mean, it's like, it looks like broken teeth right now. Like, and I know <laughs> I need to put it back together. I know that. And it has to, because right now it's just creating so much hassle in my life. And it doesn't feel like a time. It feels like it'll take more time to fix it. But I guarantee you, I will feel better about that time when the thing works correctly mm -hmm. and doesn't add 30 seconds of me struggling and grunting and sweating every time I want to put a pair of underwear on. Totally. Which is every day, by the way. <laughs> it turns out. It turns out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, Megan, as you were talking, I was remembering when I very first met you, you were teaching a class for freelance magazine writers and you we talked a lot about finding time because everyone was a busy mom who wanted to also start a writing career. And didn't you say, or didn't you tell us that during the time you were ramping up your writing career, you just flat out gave up on certain things, right? Like you didn't want to gave up everything. Yeah. I didn't ever, like I would come home and every minute I have, I spent writing or researching markets and a lot of, you know, I was young and I was also in a transitional period of my life. Um, that felt like an easier thing then than it might to someone who's gotten more habitual about yeah. stuff or someone for whom it's not as urgent. Like yeah. if you're looking to make a big change, sometimes big changes are necessary yeah. to make those changes, like to make that thing happen. Yeah. No. And not everyone's there, you know? <laughs> right. No. And, and yeah. maybe you don't need to be there. Maybe little, maybe little habit changes are all that you yeah. need, but I guess it's just worth pointing out that if it's a, if it's, if we're talking about creating time in your schedule for something big, it could require bigger sacrifices, I guess is the point. Um, I listen to the podcast am writing with Jess and KJ sometimes, and I've heard KJ say, do you want to have read a book or do you want to have written a book? And of course yes. they are the, they're the biggest advocates of reading. They're reading all the time, but there are certain phases of life where instead of picking up a book, maybe you're writing your book. Like it is yes. literally a choice between those two things. And I think evening TV watching is a great example. Cause like you said, it can be, it can be a meaningful part of your day, or it could be an hour and a half every single day that you could be using for something else. And I think for yeah. me, it, it can, it is sometimes both like it, it can go either way on that spectrum, but, um, definitely worth, worth thinking about for sure. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, like, it's almost like, is this activity filler? <laughs> um, or is it like a meaningful activity? Right. Because filler doesn't really have a place. If, if you feel like you don't have enough time in your day and there are things that are important to you that aren't getting done, you don't have time for filler. Yeah. I feel like end mm -hmm. of story. You just mm -hmm. don't. You may have time for filler if you are really happy with your job, happy with how your house looks, happy with how much time you spend with your friends and how much time you spend on your health. Then filler is awesome. Fill mm -hmm. it up. Find as much, and this will ebb and flow depending on how old your kids are. Yeah. But if there's a big change you need to make and you are unhappy and the answer is this activity has to go, mm -hmm. like we tend to cling so hard yes, we do. to something we don't need and it isn't helping us. And yep. it's, yeah. So I'm not being like stern about it. And I've been there. I'm there probably right now where there are things that I could, but, but I'm working on it because yeah. I know the, how it looks on the flip side. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, well, I was just going to offer 
shockingly, um, some thoughts about calendar planning, because for me, (laughs) when we're talking about bigger chunks of time or bigger rocks, bigger priorities, if they're on the calendar, I'm so much more likely to do them. And I wouldn't get granular with the calendar when we were talking about our 15 minute windows. I might do some other trick. Like I might have a reminder pop up on my phone or do other, some other little trick. But when we're talking about really carving out a couple of hours a week for something or more, um, then I find it helps to put it on the calendar. I also find it helps to put it on someone else's calendar. So if you are in a marriage Mm. or a partnership and let's say you've decided that time on your creative hobby is what you need more of. It can't just go on your calendar. It's got to go on the calendar of the person who's going to offer you that protected time or maybe whose life would be affected. If I decided that two nights a week, I don't want to watch TV with my husband because I'm going to be working on my novel, which is not true. I'm not working on a novel. I should probably let him know that. And, and that should probably (laughs) be a a conversation because, um, these are, we are shifting. We're not creating time, even though we keep saying it, we are, we are shifting priorities and shifting time. And often that requires a conversation with someone else and a physical blocking it off on the calendar so that you, you see it there. I think the other thing that does is it removes the, that, that nagging voice of, I should be doing this. I should be working on my novel. I should be working on my novel. When you've got it blocked for three hours on Thursday evening, you've given yourself that time to look forward to. And then you also get to like, not worry about it. So, yeah. Um, to add to that. And I love that. I do have certain things that are recurring on my calendar and they are non-negotiable. And if they're on my calendar, they're a million times more likely to get yeah. done for me, either on my calendar, a, a mix of on my calendar and in my daily to-do list, which is often has a time associated with it. Um, I don't like to put every single thing from my to-do list onto my calendar because then like, if I have to move something for some unexpected reason, I feel like I failed somehow. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm <laughs> so the same. It's just those recurring things. It's like those recurring things, you know, every week, if you don't set aside time for, they're not going to happen. One of my problems that I have, which is why I'm trying something new um, right now, is that I would look at the calendar and I'd put the obvious stuff on. Like every week we're going to record. Great. That's on the calendar. I'll never forget. Well, truthfully, I wasn't going to forget anyway, because you're there and I know we're going to end up recording. Right. right. So I realized there was this whole other class of things that was never making it onto my calendar because I didn't have any plan for how to use my time from a more big picture perspective. So like if someone said, Hey, can you get together for lunch on Wednesday? I wouldn't, I would just look at my calendar, go nothing else there. Sure. Not realizing that by doing that, maybe I would have needed, maybe I would have been better off using that time for something else. Right. So, um, it's kind of funny. I was talking, so we've talked about our business coach Mm -hmm. and I saw him personally and he asked me something. I said, I just feel like my workflow is a little out of control especially because I'm running multiple businesses and still freelancing. And I said, he said, well, how, what determines like what, like your workflow every day? And I said, well, it's usually delivered like stuff that has to get done. He said, well, how do you know it has to get done? And I was like, well, Sarah tells me it has to get done. And then he's like, well, that's okay. You can't, that can't be the way you run your business, right? Like you can't just wait for someone else to tell you this has to get done because there are things that have to be in a long ranging way, part of your week. So. I'm doing time blocking and I know this is not a new concept ever. It's been written about a million times, but, but maybe it might be new to one of our listeners. So definitely. Okay. So it's not a calendar. Um, it is a spreadsheet where I have, and the way I chose to do it and people do it all different ways. I give each day just like a main focus, knowing that every single day I'm going to do a little bit out of everything, but like Sunday is like a family day. Monday is like a planning and housekeeping day. Like that's the day I kind of take care of stuff around my house, my budget, 
um, the different businesses and things I'm working on in different areas within those businesses each get a day. I have a day Saturday. It's kind of just for fun. Um, and then what I did was I blocked off 90 minute, mostly 90 minutes. Sometimes it's 30 if it's something like drink tea and look out the window. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, I'm blocking these in 60 to 90 minutes. And what was what was really helpful about that is, A, we talked earlier about getting used to like the transition of getting used to having going from having like long periods of time to do stuff down to all you have is little short snippets. Right. I was in the reverse situation because mm. I had gotten so used to only having five, 10 or 15 minutes that I had a hard time managing the attention span needed to sit and work on something for longer. It would happen if I was in the zone, but I never planned for it. I wouldn't plan like today I'm going to spend an hour thinking about like our sales strategy or yeah. like whatever that is. Like I just didn't make time for it and something else would always squeeze it out. So something else would come up or I'd hear a beep beep. Sarah's boxing me and I'd listen or whatever it was. I would find lots of ways to not spend the focus time. So that was one thing. Yeah. The other thing was I would just find that I was only dealing with things that had to get done in any kind of focused way. And then all the other stuff that like, I really want to do. It was like always on my mind, but it, I wasn't making a lot of progress toward it. Yeah. It was just like everything was happening in these little snippets. So now like on my day, um, on my planning and housekeeping day, I've got, um, an hour set aside for learning, like for literally like, like keeping up on industry stuff. Like that's that. something I, I want to do more intentionally, but somehow never had the time. And I'm putting that in quotes because I did have the time. I just wasn't finding it. Like it wasn't, I was waiting for like the perfect moment yeah. to just show up in front of me. I'm also getting better about like having time set aside for phone calls because things like that, I would just put anywhere. Mm -hmm. So if someone, if I had a client or if it was like, um, I'm not really talking about personal calls so much that would kind of go in my personal time, but then it I would just schedule it whenever. And mm -hmm. the problem with that is if I'm doing something else and I have to stop to do a phone call and then I have to go back to the thing I was doing, I'm mm -hmm. not like I've lost focus. So, so far, so good. It took me like two weeks of working on this thing to get it yeah. to where I feel pretty good about it. It's color coded. Um, that took me a while to figure out how I wanted to code the colors. And what I finally landed on was that I have a color for things that are like personal development. Mm -hmm. I have a color for things that's blue. I have a color for things that are more like um, pure leisure, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I have a, one color for like recurring work. I have one color for meetings. And then I have one call for like new business, right? So stuff mm -hmm. that I'm doing to get more work. And now I can look at it and go, oh, it's pretty balanced. Like I can see that I'm kind of balancing my time between the work that I need to do to run things day to day, the work I need to do to get more work down the road. Mm -hmm. I've got plenty of flex time built in. I've got lots of personal time and lots of personal development time and lots of family time. So, but it took like, I mean, I've been working on this thing for a while. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> one thing that I'm, occurs to me as you talk is this could really work for anybody from full-time employment in a traditional office all the way to somebody whose time is largely unstructured due to being yeah. at home with little kids because it has more to do with priorities and not to do with appointments, which is, you know, your, your calendar right. is more about like the appointments. It's kind of external. It's the rest of the world expecting you to show up here or take your kid here. Whereas this is more about blocking your priorities almost by theme. It's been fun to watch you like wrestle with it because you aren't 
the more structured among us, but it's no. the structure but I need it, in I the won't, structure, it won't just right? And yeah. in the structure, your freedom and your creativity will actually probably do better with that. I it's agree. Just like our yeah. kids, yeah. Yeah. And this is more like, like what you said, like the way you put it. Cause I was trying to, I was kind of wrestling between like, what's the difference between a time block and a calendar. And like you said, the calendar is the contract I have with other people to do certain things. This is with me. Like, this is my agreement with myself that this is how I'm going to spend my time. So that, to make sure that I actually make time for all of these things. And I think this could be so helpful to someone who's transitioning from having long stretches of time down to short periods someone who's going from being a stay-at-home mom to being a working mom or vice versa, because the way you approach time changes. And as it changes, you almost need something to wrangle you or you just feel like you could do it whenever. Yeah, totally. Or never, or you feel like you could do it never. <laughs> like, totally. And neither of those are great ways to approach time because neither is true. Well, I want to say something about the, the actual tool you created. Yours is in Google Sheets. Yeah. Um, because this is something I'm realizing I'm guilty of because I, I structures and calendars and lists, it all comes really naturally to me. And a lot of it exists in my head or, you know, in my notebook. And what I found is I've used that as an excuse to not take the final step in actually documenting something and then printing it out and having it in front of me. So I guess this is just a vote for even if you if you're naturally organized or you're naturally naturally structured with your time. Um, I could see myself liking the idea of time blocking and kind of sketching it out one day and then forgetting to look at it or forgetting yeah. to like really have it in front of you. I think that's something we've both learned from Zach, from the business coach we're working with is yeah. like, we can talk about this stuff all day, every day. We do, we have a podcast, we, <laughs> but, um, that last step of holding yourself accountable to the system that you create, maybe it's because I've spent a lot of my work life creating systems for other people. So then when mm -hmm. I create them for myself, I think it's done. I'm like, Oh yeah, I like yeah. that idea. I like my schedule, <laughs> yeah. but then I, I forget to, to truly, truly have it in front of me and execute it. Well, remember a long time ago when we were talking about, um, uh, I think it was when I was doing that yoga challenge or something. Mm -hmm. And you were like, how are you going to figure out, like, how are you going to fit this in? And I said, well, I'm not doing anything else. Like for like the last week, all I have thought about <laughs> whenever I'm not actively doing work that is advanced, like advancing things that have to get done. All I've thought about is this, is this workflow that mm -hmm. I'm creating. It takes time. And sometimes it takes ultimate focus. Like sometimes you have to just hit pause on the stuff that you're doing yeah. that's not getting you where you want to go and put the time into creating something that will. And by focusing so hard on it, there's no way I'm not going to do it now. I've yeah. showed it with, to you. I've showed yeah. it to Zach. It's on my, um, I'll like posted on the little bulletin board above my desk. I have it on a tab on my computer. Like I have a printed version that I'm carrying around so mm -hmm. that anytime I go to make an appointment, I have to check, does that fit? And if it doesn't fit, I'm not putting the appointment there. Like it's not, I'm not yeah. going to put a phone call I mean, later, once I have it habitualized and stuff, I'll be able to be more flexible, but yeah. right now it'll just go out the window. So there's, I can't do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so sometimes it does take that kind of, well, it's focus, like fixing, it's fixing the lingerie drawer so that yeah. the rest of the time you go to get your underwear, it's smooth. So that's yep. what you, you know, you've put the time in. Um, I really like it. Well, um, this is like a tip in a totally different direction, but it is one that has helped me. And that is if you are looking for bigger blocks of time to create them, don't wait until finding childcare is 
past overdue and then you can't find a sitter and your kids have never been left alone with someone else. Um, I think one of the best things I ever did was proactively get a once a week sitter for three hours on the schedule as a regular Mm. thing. Um, And that was in a time where I wasn't really making a lot of money uh, from any work I was doing. I was mostly stay at home mom and it felt kind of unnecessary to have a built-in sitter once a week. But I guess I'm advocating for doing that before it feels like um, you're dying or you're drowning. Yes. And that in- yes. that could include, it doesn't have to be for work or a creative hobby. It could be yeah. to do your errands or your phone calls. Um, but if you can arrange, and if, and if a paid sitter is not in the budget, we've talked about things like childcare swaps or, you know, maybe it's your gym that has a childcare, but putting those things in place before you think you need them. I think this is, can be particularly hard for fully stay at home moms. If you're working in any capacity, you, your kids have probably gotten used to some kind of alternate childcare. And so to add a couple hours on for you doesn't seem like that big a deal. But if you are a fully stay-at-home mom, it can feel like a big deal financially, emotionally, justifying-wise. It just feels like a, a roadblock or a hurdle. And from experience, I can say that doing it in a proactive way instead of a reactive way will actually give you more time. Like this is one of the few tips where like you will actually have the gift of three hours that you then can play around with all these tips we've offered. You can play around with how to use that time. And it could be for a million different things, self-care, exercise, errands. But if you have it and you have that, that childcare option or solution, and it's a recurring thing on the calendar, it's just a gift. Yeah, it really is. I I would also add that if you're in one of those situations where um, you've got a kid who's in like afternoon preschool for two and a half hours and it's super frustrating because no one can get anything done in two and a half hours and you feel like you spend half that time in the car, looking to see if they have like an add-on on either end, morning or afternoon. Like I remember feeling like the difference between a two and a half hour preschool program versus four and a half hours. If I added on the two hours after or before was like night and day, like so different. Um, I was able to just relax a little bit. It takes transition time between the drop off and the pickup to, you know, really get into your day. Agreed. That's a great tip. um, I have one more thing I want to talk about. And this is something, you know, I know we've mentioned before, like the whole question of, is it urgent or is it important? Mm -hmm. And I think that was something that was like, Maybe Dwight D. Eisenhower was like the first one to kind of like. Yeah, I mean, I remember this from working in business back in the day. Yeah. I don't even know where it came, where I learned it, but. Well, what I hadn't been as aware of until more recently was that um, in the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People" by Stephen Covey, he actually creates like a tool for that, which mm-hmm. really helped me. So let's say you've got um, you've got like four quadrants, right, mm-hmm. and they're like in a square, right. On the top, you've got urgent and not urgent. Mm -hmm. On the left, you've got important and not important. Mm -hmm. So quadrant one, which is up in the upper left-hand corner, is urgent and important. Quadrant two is in the upper right-hand corner, not urgent, but important. Mm -hmm. Quadrant three is urgent, not important. Quadrant four, which is on the lower right, is not urgent and not important. So we all know that like not urgent, not important stuff is out. Like if if no one's asking you to do it right now and it doesn't matter if you do it anyway... (laughs) Don't do it, right? Where it gets a lot more tricky is when things feel urgent, mm-hmm. which would be any basically, I look at that as anything where someone is seems to be demanding your attention like right now. Yep. Um, so urgent and not important might be like the school is calling mm-hmm. um, and they want you to like your kid forgot 
their lunch. Mm-hmm. Let's look, that's an example. Well, if if it's not important to you whether your kid eats hot lunch that day or whether it's actually important to you that your kid learns how to manage their own, mm-hmm. you know, be responsible for their own lunch, it's probably not important that you do anything about it. Right. But sometimes because it's urgent, we yeah, feel like we have to do sensitive. something. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And obviously we all need to do things that are urgent and important. If the school calls and your kid just broke their arm, you're running out the door. <laughs> right, 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 right. Right. But what I thought was so interesting was that what I, and what I learned from kind of looking at it laid out like this is you actually want to spend most of your time in quadrant two, mm-hmm. which is not urgent, but important. That's and the really reason is because this, it's so hard, <laughs> right? But the stuff that moves the needle, the stuff that gets you to your big goals typically are not the urgent things. You might need to do the urgent and important things because it's an emergency. It's yeah. literally like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I have, I have, my tooth really hurts. I need a root canal like tomorrow, like take care of that. Right. Yeah. But what if it's something that feels urgent, but really isn't important, then you don't want to do that. And most of us don't want to live our lives in emergency yeah. mode either. So the more time you spend doing stuff before you have to, <laughs> um, not urgent, maybe getting your teeth cleaned, um, mm-hmm. But important because mm-hmm. like eventually you might get have to right. have a root canal otherwise, like that's where you want to spend your time. And that is that is hard. Um, I think for you, I think because you're detail oriented, you tend to spend a lot of time. Like I think for me, I spend more time probably with stuff that's important. Well, I'm trying to think how I would spend my time. Talk about yourself, because I know it's really hard for you not to knock stuff off your list. Yeah, so that's what I want to do. What I want to do, what I tell myself is if I get all of this, I'm going to call it urgent. It's not like emergent, but it's, it's like, it has a deadline to it. And if I get it off my list, so that would be the urgent and the not important. Well, or not important. It's not, no, it's not urgent. That's what it is. It's probably not urgent. Maybe that's the problem because it's perception. Yeah. Stuff seems to be urgent. That's not. Yeah. I create urgency around things that are not right. That's the, that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe I create importance around things that are not right. So I think that things, yeah. So I think that things are really like, I make things that are important. I move them to the top of my urgency, but actually if I just took care of them in a more steady and slow way, Mm -hmm. then I would actually get more done. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, like, for you, maybe for you, it's like quadrant three. It's urgent stuff that's not important. Like yeah. it's stuff that yeah. even if it didn't get done, probably wouldn't make that big of a difference or it probably exactly. doesn't need to get done as quickly as you feel exactly. like it needs to get done. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. somebody and else I, could do it. That's a whole, that's a that. whole, that's what I'm yeah. working with Zach on my, <laughs> on my individual coaching is do I need to be doing this and do I need to be doing this at the level of detail that I'm doing yeah. it? Well, and that's a whole other, you know, conversation <laughs> that we could have for days about that. But I just, I would encourage people to check that out. If you just Google urgent, not urgent yeah. know, quadrant or table, you'll see it. And once you, when I saw that, it really made me think harder about the way I perceive tasks. Mm-hmm. And often I think that that perception is incorrect. And that's where, you know, the, it's my natural inclination to want to think big picture, important grand scale mm-hmm. paired with like still having things pinging me and not knowing where those things should go. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I know we're going to wrap up, but at one point when I was working for um, a CEO on different projects, we actually had colored folders for these four things and things would go uh, like actual, actual paper, like manila file folders. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and so when I would prep things for him or when we had projects we were working on, there was an urgent and important folder and an 
urgent but not important. There were four folders and they were, it was like red, orange, yellow, green. And maybe the, the first step to that, I'm sure, was him knowing what actually is important to him and what's not. Yeah, exactly. And, and he, you know, and, and like what goal is he trying to actually yeah. accomplish? And then yeah. you have to, when you're reaching for the, the quadrant four folder and saying, I'm going to now spend my time on things that are not urgent and not important. It's like, oh wait, <laughs> am I like, is this right. the best use of my time? Or can yeah. I, can this stay at the bottom of the pile for another day? Yeah. I for, love that. Yeah. And things do move around. So something that sure. right now is neither urgent nor important probably will never become more important, but may become more urgent, yep. you know? So it's like, it's, it's just a tool. It's not like a religion, yeah. um, but it's some, it's a way to look at the way you're spending your time and see if it matches up with where you're trying to go. Yep. No, I've always found that helpful too. So thank you for reminding me. Um, okay guys, I don't know if we helped you find time or make more time, but we sure had a lot to say about it and we would love to hear from you. Um, before we wrap up, we are bringing back our cue it up segment. That's where we talk a little bit at the end of each show about an episode from our, our, from our archives, um, that you might want to go listen to next. And we kind of spent the summer using cue it up to talk about some of our friends podcasts, which was really fun. But now we're back to a self-serving cue it up where we want to point you back into our vast archives. And today I picked a two part series. Um, it was actually from this month, two years ago, same time of year. So September, 2017 is when it was from, and it's called sitters and caregivers. And there's two parts. Part one is about finding good sitters and caregivers. Part two is kind of about the relationship you have with your sitters and caregivers and that your kids have. It's episodes 119 and 120 in the archives. I will link them up in the show notes for this episode, but you can also just scroll down wherever you're listening. Go back two years and look for sitters and caregivers. I think those would be kind of a nice compliment to this episode because yeah, boy, do those sitters and caregivers help us find they more time. Sure do. <laughs> All right, Megan, everybody, this was fun and we will be back with you guys soon. Talk soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Tease Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Tease Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.